0: fast forward productions the women are speaking don't comment on anyone's body i know it's hard not to when someone looks great to you but it you just don't know what's going on yeah somebody might not be eating because they're going through a really bad emotional time and saying oh you've lost so much weight you look so great i'm really jealous like that's not helpful so we're pro, you have a bikini body, you put a bikini on and you go to the beach. Yeah, which I find I believe. I believe everyone should be able to just wear what you want. Like, that's fine. It's a body. It's your body.
1: Hey everyone, Meredith here. You are listening to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Bikini bodies and not how to get one. You know, that's not our style. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the bikini body and the summer body and kind of how that affects people mentally and how to break out of seasonal diet patterns. But first, we want you to be featured on our podcast with a question or an episode suggestion. And here's how you do that leave us a review, preferably a five star review and a written review, and then take a screenshot on your phone or computer and send us an email to info at tacticmethod.com and include your question or podcast suggestion there. All right, let's get into it. Gosh, we've been together for what, six years? Six years. There's not much that we haven't done together. There's a lot, probably. Okay, if you think about it, I know. But okay. like, we have done a lot together. Yeah, camping is not one of those things. I learned early on that you just you were not interested in camping.
0: Why? I don't know. Like my family never did it. They would send us, me and my sister, to Camp Chief Hector two weeks, and that's where you do your camping and your hiking and all that. What is that? It's like a two week camping camp so you're like in camp you sleep in teepees and stuff and then there's like a food hall and you do all these things do you
1: think that sleeping in a teepee
0: no i'm gonna explain it okay but then you would go on ot's out trips so depending on your age i think the longest you would do is like five day out trip so you would go with your group which was two leaders and then eight kids all of the same age like girls together boys together you would go hike and camp along the way Hmm. And you would, the tent slept 10 people and it looked like a circus tent. Oh. And you'd have to pack all the food and stuff. Who had to carry the tent? One of the leaders carried the tent and then we all split the food. It was really fun. So you would go around Kananaskis and stuff.
1: Sleeping in a teepee as a white person feels a little bit like appropriation,
0: doesn't it? Why was it a teepee at the main? They just camp. had teepees. Okay. For that was where you slept. And there was five bunk beds that would circle the middle where the fire was.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, there was a fire. Okay. That in, makes, in.
0: Yeah, that I think, think it probably was just best. Yeah, I that do think... That was the best setup. We were okay. never dressing up or anything like that. That's good.
1: We that just... That would have been concerning. Yeah. Okay. All right, um, I'll give this a pass. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah, it was really fun. But my parents never were into it. And so as soon as I didn't go to Camp Chief Hector anymore, I just didn't camp. Like, we did a couple camping trips... When I was in university, like, with the ski team, like, we would go whitewater rafting, so we'd camp the night before and stuff like that, but it was never just, like, something I did. I would say I'm a princess and that I like having a shower and stuff, but yeah. it's just, like, not something I do. It's, like, I do enough other stuff. I don't really have time to go on camping trips. You don't really, like, camp either.
1: I don't. I, I camped some as a kid. The only thing I remember about camping were, like, the camping mishaps. Like, that's, like, my my core memories of camping was, like, everything that went wrong with whatever the, the trip was, which usually there was, like, something that would go wrong. No, we weren't big campers. And then... I think you go to college and for some reason, people in college like get into camping. It's like a thing that people get into. But it's like you're drunk that entire time. So it's fine.
0: You don't even notice you're in the woods.
1: I know. Or in the fire. But no, I didn't. I didn't get into that in college either. That was never my never my cup of tea. I, I would rather bike or do other things, not camp. Yeah. But anyways, so backstory, why are we talking about camping? That's a great question. We went to northern Alberta this weekend to Alex's family's cattle ranch which we go to every year to help with like cattle vaccination and branding and just kind of to be there and support it's a pretty fun time and this year we decided to bring our own sleeping accommodations which meant we were gonna rent an rv that was the original plan because we're renting an rv in a couple weeks to go down to the gorge and it's really easy there's a website but the rental ended up falling through and so alex was like well do they make tents for truck beds Well, first
0: I was like, well, what if we just slept in the back of the truck? And Meredith was like, I mean, you could, but like, what if it rains? Yeah. And I'm like, good point.
1: We should get something over And then I'm thinking, would
0: a tarp do the trick? And then I was like, wait a second. Do they make tents that are made for the back of truck beds? And I was thinking they either do or I'm going to be on Shark Tank.
1: (laughs) And unfortunately for your future monetary endeavors, they do (laughs) make that. That's like a big thing, which I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know anything about camping. So I was like, you know, as much as I do, the only truck tents that I know of are the tree line ones that go on top, which I definitely didn't want. We found this tent and they had it at Cabela's, which is a Cabela's in Calgary. So we went and got that. And then they make air mattresses for truck beds and there's a few different kinds and a lot of them they have like cutouts for the wheel wells but then you're like sleeping in the middle of it you know we have a mid-sized truck not a huge bed but we found this one the brand is called air beds and we're not sponsored this is not a promotion it's just this thing is so I good i still do promote it yeah but um, we don't get kicked back yet this episode brought to you by Airbeds and air mattresses air beds with a z yeah i'm doing a commercial okay let me sorry. finish this podcast episode brought to you by AirBeds, the inflatable air mattress for your truck bed. That's Nailed it. Nailed it. That was a good? Yeah, okay. I mean, it could have used a little bit more charisma. but Yeah, and like longer, but yeah. I was just going off the top of my head. It had an extra piece that went over the wheel wells of the truck and was inflated. So it was all padded, which meant that you get to sleep the entire width of the Which truck. adds a lot of space. Tons of space, Probably yeah.
0: over like a foot, foot and a half, maybe. Yeah. It basically makes it into between a twin and maybe a double into a queen. Yes. In the back of a midsize yeah, truck. A queen it's bag. Crazy. It was very comfortable.
1: Very. So we went to sleep the first night and like never camped, literally never been in a tent together. We've definitely never been on an air mattress together. It was unbelievable how well we slept. Like,
0: I think most people would probably bring like sleeping bags, but we brought like our bedding. <laughs>
1: Oh, we put sheets on the bed. Yeah. And then had a like down comforter. It was extremely comfortable. It really was. And like same thing the second night. And basically we were sleeping so well that on the third night, Sunday night, we got into the tent and spent a solid like 10 minutes talking about how much we loved the tent and how comfortable it was. And at that time, there was like a little thunderstorm that had rolled in. So there was like thunder in the distance. It was raining. But it was you know nice
0: because like it was like it was past 10 p.m., And my family were still awake and like having drinks and stuff in the house. So we go off to our quiet little
1: tent, the introverts that we are. Yeah. And
0: I'm like, this is incredible because we can go to bed when everyone else is still awake. We don't have to wait up for them to go to bed, which is like a big bonus. Huge bonus. Yeah, huge. I like my bedtime.
1: Yeah. So we're we're basically talking about how nice the tent is and how well we're sleeping and how nice it is to have a little rain because who doesn't love sleeping in the rain? So we go to bed and not shortly after that, the thunder and lightning get a little closer and the wind starts to pick up. And so I was awake because of the the lightning and kind of like, well, at least we're in a truck on that is on rubber tires. So I'm pretty sure we're OK. And then I like kind of dozed off and then it started to get really windy. And like my watch, which I had put on the side, was like clinging against the side. So I pulled my watch down from where I had it hanging and then was kind of like, is this tent going to like stay in one piece? Kind of laid awake just to make sure that it seemed structurally sound. And I was like, I think it's fine. I think and it it did. And so I I fell asleep and I was like asleep. And then I wake up at around 2 or 2.30 because there's a the thing with the tent, right? Like you're off the ground. You have to unzip the door when you want to get out. So if one person needs to go pee, you have to wake up the other person so you can go pee together, which we did the night before. So well, I, the other person naturally is going to wake up. And that's kind of it. it's like, OK, we're going now. Yeah. So then we're like holding hands in the yard, having a pee. I get woken up at like 2 or 2.30 by Alex, who is unzipping the door. And I was like, oh, Alex is going out for a pee. And she turns around and she's like, I have got to go inside or we have to find somewhere to move this tent. And it was really windy. So I guess you weren't sleeping at that point. No, I was not sleeping.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I was like scared. I was like, this tent is going to rip off the truck. Yeah. The truck was jiggling because of the wind. It was in the truck.
1: It was pretty. It was really probably like 50 kilometers. It was howling. Like a weak hurricane kind of force winds.
0: And like there was lightning. Like it would light up the tent.
1: Yeah. And like. Lightning. Boom. Like it was very close. Yeah. So I guess like my cousins
0: came (laughs) out. They told us it's the next morning. They came out late, probably around midnight or Mm. like 1130. And I guess they looked at our tent on their way to their their (laughs) like truck to go home. And were like, oh,
1: man, that looks rough. (laughs) You were in a big huff about it. And I was like, well, what do you want? You want to like move? Like, what are we going to do here? Because there wasn't really anywhere to sleep inside. All the beds were taken. And I think the couches were too. And so you were like, well, let's just we need to find a place to move the truck. And so I was like, I think the keys are inside in your dad's room. So I had gotten out of the truck. I'm in my like underwear, tank top and like long socks and sneakers, which was the exact same thing you wore. And you went off to go get the keys out of your dad's room. I assumed that you had brought your phone for a flashlight, but apparently you didn't. So you had to turn the lights on your dad's room. (laughs) You're like, cover
0: your eyes. I was like, dad, of course, nothing. Dad, nothing. Dad, what? I need to get the keys for the truck, it's so windy. I, we need to move the truck. And he was like, okay, turn the lights on. I'm like, well, cover your eyes. And then I did, they were on the bookshelf and then he was all worried about what was going on. I ended up just going to the bathroom. So we left and I come out and I'm like, hey, where, where do we move to?
1: At that point I had gotten into the driver's seat of the car and I had like laid my head down on the steering wheel and I was like looking out the driver's side window towards the house where Alex is coming from. And the visual of this is hilarious. I just see you marching around the house in your like underwear and long socks. And at one point, this is so funny. I was wearing panties and a tank top and wool long socks. Yeah. And at one point, like you did like a whole lap, and then you are in front of the <laughs> in front of the house, and in like <laughs> in a hurricane, weak hurricane force wind. Like I imagine,
0: me- I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen The Wizard of Oz, but that's kind of what it was like. Just swirling. Yeah, Toto wasn't there, but there were yeah. other
1: dogs. Um, <laughs> who were not so bold as to be outside at this time. No, but like the visual, I see Alex, who's like done a whole lap. She this like swirling hurricane force winds and she bends over, picks up some blades of grass and like tosses them up in the air like you're playing golf and trying to figure out which way the wind's coming from. That's exactly where I learned it from. (laughs) I was like, Alex, the wind is coming from everywhere. First of all, I couldn't see the
0: grass once I had thrown it in the air. And second of all, again, there was no way of knowing where the wind was coming from. It was coming from everywhere and going in every direction. Yeah. At one point, I went to go pick up like some like weeds and I just like pulled the full weed out. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I could throw this up and it would probably be a better indicator.
1: Yeah, because at least you can see it. Yeah. So she, like, marches back over to the truck in her underwear gets in and she's like, I think we just need to go behind the house, like behind the garage. Maybe that would block some. And so I'm like driving and I'm just, it's like 2.30 in the morning. I'm very tired. I was just actually asleep. And so I'm driving and I have this like mental image. We just watched the Yellowstone prequel, like 1883 or whatever that was. So in my head, I'm thinking like, we got to move the wagon. <laughs> and it really did kind of look like a wagon like a covered wagon so we're like literally like driving through this like the bumpy yard and like the the whole thing is just getting blown around in the wind and i was like well if it wasn't if it hadn't come down yet it's going to come down during this activity then we get it behind the garage i sort of shimmy it up and we didn't back it into the garage because apparently there's mice that potentially get into your car and make residence there back it into this little nook get out no better. no, it was almost worse because mm-hmm. like the w- the wind was like swirling in there. yeah, it was creating a vortex I think. yeah, yeah, then we kind of pull out and I'm like, well, let's let's just back halfway into the garage. The mice aren't gonna come out into the storm to get into the truck unless there's something really great in the truck, which there isn't. So we ended up kind of like backing just the tent half of the truck into the garage. That's where we slept and it still wasn't like wind free, but it was significantly better yeah. Yeah. And then apparently everybody got up in the morning and saw the truck was missing and just thought we had like boogered off. Yeah. My (laughs) uncle's like, they just got the hell out of here. (laughs) And then my mom, who's like me, just
0: the person who worries the most, which is probably where I got it from, was like, oh, no, did people come with guns and threaten them? And then they had to leave something, some ridiculous story. But That, that didn't happen. No, it didn't. We just had to move. And Yeah, that was rough. And then like trying to get the tent back in a little bag. I hate like tents, sleeping bags. I think this is why I don't camp because they always come with plenty of space. Even the mattress, it came with a bag where I'm like, oh, my gosh, this bag is too big. And then you restuff it after you've used it and you need something double the size.
1: Yeah, I will withhold one star on camping equipment reviews until they oversize the bag by like 100%. Yes, Double the size of what they pack it in originally. Especially for something that you're not going to be like backpacking with. It's a truck tent and a truck air mattress. We couldn't
0: even get the poles back in that bag. I know. Barely. Barely fit the actual tent in there. So
1: the likelihood that the next time we try to use it and forget the poles is very high. yeah. Yeah. So that'll be a fun thing when it happens. But overall, two out of three nights, good sleep in the tent. Not bad. Yeah. And if you're going somewhere where you're not likely to get Hurricane force winds. Really, really great situation. I think the tent brand is napier. If you're not planning on reliving the Wizard of Oz, you're good. Yeah, 100%. It was rain repellent. No rain got in. Oh, I know. Super watertight. Yeah. But the wind was like, I imagine the way that that sounded was like, I imagine that it, that's what it's like to be in a pinata. Like, that's <laughs> what that was. You yeah. Like. <laughs> Instead of candy, it's you. And yeah. then pe- like little kids are just whacking it with a stick. That's what that would sound like for sure.
0: It was rough because it's not like rain where it's consistent. No. The wind would kind of blast and then it would wind down, then it would blast again. So you didn't really know what was coming. And it was just very difficult for me to sleep. And violent. Yeah. Yeah. But we had a
1: a lot of good laughs. We did. That was a fun time. We laughed a lot. Um, Not
0: during the night, but in the morning.
1: Yeah. It wasn't laughable necessarily. It was not at all. (laughs) Why you know what I love happening? about you is I it's two thirty in the
0: morning. You get up and I'm like, all I have to say is like, we have to move. And you're like, OK, <laughs> there's no like Alex, go back to bed. Alex, I was sleeping fine. It's fine. Alex, the pen's fine. It's like,
1: OK, well, what am I going to do, do like, what you need me to do? I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you. I know what's going to happen if I do argue with you and you're going to like go inside and be really grumpy and it's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, so. you know me well. I do. Yeah, I just just do it. Okay, well, that really took some time to tell, but it was fun. What are we talking about today? We're debunking the summer body. I don't know if debunking is the right word, but we're going to discuss the summer body, specifically like the summer body trends and how it's mentioned and used in the diet industry. I don't know about you, but like my inbox, so right now it's sort of the end of May. This episode will come out in June. It's the end of May. So like my inbox is just starting to fill up with like panicky summer body emails You see it on like magazine stands, get your summer body in two weeks, whatever. And it happens every single year. It happens every year. You just start seeing this stuff pop up. And as someone who works in the nutrition and fitness space, which is our space, you also see a change in people's behavior around this time. And so it it made us think like, well, we should do a podcast episode on the summer body trends and sort of where it comes from. And I didn't know there's like a whole history of, like the bikini body, the summer body thing. And it started apparently in around 1961 by this company. This is the actual company name. It was an ad campaign by a chain of weight loss salons, which is what they used to call weight loss companies when they be in person. Then the name of the company was Slenderella International. That's an actual company name. The ad read, this is the one released in 1961. Summer's wonderful fun is for those Who look young, high, firm, bust, hand spanned waist, trim, firm hips, slender, graceful legs, a bikini body. That was the slogan. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Which is basically like you're describing something that is the product of mostly genetics, a hand spanned waist. Does that mean you can put your hands like around? Oh, my goodness. I think that's what that means. That's like the hourglass shape. Wow. I know. And so that was That's somebody who would
0: definitely blow away in the wind.
1: I know. They would not have survived no, the tent. It's,
0: no. They would it. have gotten out of the tent and just like, whatever happened to Toto, that would have been them.
1: Yeah. So then that kind of took off. That chain of salons ended up getting shut down by the IRS for not paying their taxes. But then it became popularized again in like 1963 by a salon called Suddenly Slinda. So I think maybe that was the same people. And then promising women that they could have a bikini body for summer. Or they use the same marketing agency. Something like what in the hell was going on in the 60s? (laughs) Yeah, but then it wasn't really popularized like in a verbal way or like people didn't start using that phrase until around the 1980s, I guess. And then it really became popular in the the 90s and then started taking off in the 2000s. So that's where you saw it becoming more commonly used. When we were teenagers, which was... Great timing for, yeah, (laughs) that awkward time. I like nine, when I was like nine years old, I was up like full summer swim team. I wore a Speedo all summer. I had, because I wore basically the same style of Speedo, I had this perfect round tan spot on my back, middle of my back, and then two round tan spots on my shoulder blades from my one piece. So the summer where I transitioned from a Speedo into a two piece was super awkward because I definitely had that tan established. So I I looked like a, from the back, kind of a white and brown sort of cow. I guess the bikini was invented in 1946. Did you know that? No. Yeah. That is the history of the bikini. And then the bikini body kind of became synonymous with the summer body. And that's kind of what you hear, I think, more often now in magazines and stuff is how to get your summer body. Anyways, can we talk about, you know, where I think about this song
0: and apparently, this is a song. It is it song? Like, is it the thong song? No, oh. it's by Brian Hyland. The itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini.
1: Four, tell the people what she wore. It was an itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini that she wore for the first time of day. And itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot. Bikini. I forgot about that. You song know, no I don't. This it looks
0: like. It. I don't know when it was written. But seems old because like it's like a black and white video, released 1960. Ooh. So maybe that was in conjunction with the 1961,
1: or seems to have preceded it. Yeah. just
0: Ever so. so but the reason why I know the itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini is from the yogurt commercial. Oh, the Yo play
1: commercial yeah,
0: where she eats yogurt every day and has the bikini hanging there. Yeah. So she can fit into the bikini before summer.
1: Yes. And that's kind of an example of how pervasive this whole like summer body thing has become. And there's actual data behind this. The Internet is amazing in many ways and it's awful in many ways. But it's pretty cool because these researchers, these like sociologists started looking into diet trends across the year. They did this part by tracking hashtags that were used on Twitter, specifically pertaining to diets and then looked at, the percent increase across the year and no surprise you see an increase in diet related hashtags in the spring and summer months which like of course that just sort of confirms what we already know is happening this whole idea of seasonal dieting which is referring to changes in the diet during different seasons of the year is supported in the advertising and in social media and this is true of both appearance oriented diets so like weight watchers Atkins would be appearance oriented and then ostensibly like non-appearance oriented diets such as vegan and gluten free, which suggests that like, quote unquote, non-appearance oriented diets might be co-opted for appearance oriented purposes. That's a whole nother conversation, which is how people use moral diet selection as a mask of perhaps disordered eating or thought patterns. But we should save that for a future episode. (laughs) The data is really interesting. And they looked at trends across different publications. So health magazine, different diet and workout magazines, and they saw the same types of trends aimed at men and women. So then you look at bodybuilding magazines, muscle and fitness, men's health, they're all doing the same thing. And they seem to start doing it around April of every year, they start you start seeing a shift in messaging and in advertising and advertisers start preying on this seasonal body dissatisfaction. And that's like the next bit of data, which is they see rates of body dissatisfaction increase during the summertime and decrease during the wintertime, which also makes sense because of the social pressures associated with spending more time in less clothing, less clothing, essentially what that is. Kind of the most interesting part of this review is when they start talking about how seasonal dieting is a response to past experiences and anxieties that are projected onto expected future experiences. So it's like, it's almost like, oh, I've experienced anxiety and body dissatisfaction in the summer before. Therefore, I will experience it this summer. So anxiety and pressure increases in the spring and you see a lot of diets start up. Around that time. There's no real like takeaway. There's no like, oh, you should do this instead. It's just kind of um, an observation. Like, yeah, this is definitely a thing. And anyone who works in the space knows it's a thing. And frankly, like anyone who's a human being knows this is a thing, especially someone who's a little bit on the younger side. I think the they said like 78% of the whole Gen Z population reports some level of dissatisfaction with their body. That's crazy to me. It's nuts. And it's not that there's even something to be dissatisfied with. It's just like that's the amount of pressure that people live with.
0: Yeah. I mean, Instagram is doing no one any favors. None. It's probably worse. Again, I'm saying this out of speculation, but I think like men
1: probably have it worse than ever. And men are less likely to talk about body image issues. And so a lot of I think the data around men's mental health, like regarding body image and body dysmorphia is not quite accurate because Mm -hmm. there's a reluctance to accurately report. That's been known for a while. But yeah, it's not like it's the same for guys. It's not talked about as much. But like women have, they feel pressure maybe to have an hourglass kind of bikini body looking shape and men feel pressure to have huge shoulders and six-pack abs and be shaped like a V. Yeah, the same pressures exist for men and women for sure. And so much of it is, like I said earlier, like a genetic body image. Like it's a white body. Number one, there are are racist undertones to beauty standards in the West to begin with. And so many people just they don't have those genetics. No matter what you do, your body just never going to look like (laughs) a Kardashian, who, by the way, probably takes pharmaceuticals that you can't buy and has body enhancing surgery done.
0: Yeah. Or anybody on a magazine cover or most people on Instagram. I mean, it's it's hard. You, You look on Instagram and it's just like Body after body after body after body, depending on who you follow. For me, like, I don't even know where it comes from, mm-hmm. but I get like photos of people like self like bathroom selfies of their like with no shirts on. And I'm like, what is this? Like, where am I? Why am I getting this? And like, it's it's there's so much of it you can't get away from. And I think part of it is it seems like when you look on Instagram, which is where a lot of people spend their time, they see everyone with that body. Yeah. So they are going to be feeling, hey, I'm the only one who doesn't have a six pack. I'm the only one who doesn't look like that in a bikini. Like I'm, I'm the only one when in reality, you're totally normal. You're the same as everyone else out there yeah. on the beach. Not that that should even matter. I mean, you really shouldn't be saying, well, I'm whatever comparing. But you get what I mean. Like it's going to yeah, you're going to have body dissatisfaction if you're looking, if you're measuring stick is people on Instagram.
1: And I think that's where a lot of it comes from is comparison to other people and to people who are on social media or on magazine covers or p- people. You're, when you go
0: clothes shopping online, a lot of companies use people who are very slender. That's another like, oh, and then you put these clothes on. You're like, well, shoot, like <laughs> I don't look like this.
1: Yeah, it's like it's a lot. There's a lot of pressure and it can really affect like your mental health yeah. in a pretty significant way. And it's crazy. Like, I I remember hearing this statistic about some remote kind of island nation that, you know, wasn't exposed to things on the Internet, Western magazines, and there was an actual statistic about body dysmorphia and dissatisfaction, and it was very close to zero. In fact, at that time, I think larger women were, you know, considered to be healthier and more likely to be good mothers and all of those types of things. And then within three years of being introduced to the Internet and having, the same access to information that a lot of the Western world has body dysmorphia rates and body image rates issues went like through the roof. Yeah, that's not surprising. That's the effect that just seeing things can have. It's like if you didn't have to look at it, you would not feel the pressure that you feel every single day. It just wouldn't happen. So it's an interesting sort of place to be like, how do we I think it's like when you're talking about dieting and fitness and you know, making changes to your physical body, you want to be really sensitive when you talk about this with people, but also respectful that people have physical goals. Like, I think we've swung so hard. And not we as in tactic. Not we, we as, as a in tactic. Like parts a, of our society. And maybe this is a good thing and we'll settle out in the middle somewhere eventually. But we've su- swung so hard away from, you know, dieting and working out to look a certain way that it's almost like people who have physical goals sometimes feel embarrassed to say that they want to be leaner or they, they feel better when they're leaner or they haven't had success with diet and exercise and they want some help. Like there's a, a level of embarrassment sometimes because of how anti-diet the messaging has become in certain circles. And I don't think that's right either. I think it's OK to have physical goals. We just want to be framing them correctly and make sure that they're coming from a, a good place and a healthy place and a sustainable place rather than, hey, can you help me <laughs> like crash diet in in four weeks before my beach trip? Yeah. And I think that's
0: often what it is for a lot of people, the summer body. I mean, great physical change is not going to happen in the span of three months. So if we're talking, let's say March, April, May, by June, you're not going to look like a completely different person unless you do crash diet. And I'm sure there are people who do and they lose, I don't know, 25 pounds. That can be a significant amount of weight for someone. But if you're doing that every single year, gaining and losing the same 10 to 25 pounds, like that's not going to be good for your physical health. And it, Number one is not going to be good for your mental health.
1: Yeah. And even like just thinking about the, the physical side of that for a minute, if someone does kind of get into a cyclical diet pattern somewhat seasonally, you know, and they lose 20 pounds before summer and then, you know, because summer they're maybe drinking more alcohol or they're on patios and then or maybe not, but they get to, you know, fall and winter and they kind of slip back into old habits and they gain the weight back and then they crash diet and they lose it again. What's happening every time you do that, when especially when you lose weight quickly, this almost certainly happens, is you lose lean body mass. And unless you're, you're training really hard while you're doing it and then, you know, training hard over the summer, you're not getting that back. When a person gains weight after something like that, they're gaining basically more fat than they did last time. Your percent of body fat each time you do that, even when you get smaller, is going up. So body composition over time declines, even if someone is on the scale the same weight every single year visibly not going to be the same. When you crash diet to lose 20 pounds before summer, you're really doing a number on your lean body mass. That's hard to reconcile year after year after year after year. It's not a good thing. With that said, there's biological drivers to changes in diet and activity across the year. And this is the other thing that that the research study looked at was the impact of climate and how that affects people. And I think you when we were talking about this earlier, you were saying, and you're right about this, when you live in a warm climate, like near the equator, somewhere like uh, Hawaii, the Bahamas, somewhere that has see- like good warm weather year round, the body dissatisfaction tends to be higher across the year. So less seasonal in places like that, which intuitively- I still
0: think it would be somewhat seasonal because even though you're in your bikini the majority of the year or all year, you are still impacted by what you're seeing online. Yes. Which is going to be higher in the summer or leading up to summer. So that, like you said, is an impact. Like there are several factors. Yes. So it's not just like, oh I, you know, I don't even dress in a bikini. I don't wear bikinis. I only mountain bike. Well, you could still be impacted, even if you aren't concerned about what you look like in a bikini. It's still like you're still there's a comparison. You're still exposed to a lot of this stuff online in TV, like whatever it may be. Yeah. So even just like if your friends are talking about it, that can be
1: something it can be impactful. It just makes you start thinking about it. That squares with the trends that are observed, which is it's not as seasonal there, but there are so impacts to the seasonality. Is that a word? We'll make it a word of the way that the media talks about it for sure. But if you live in a place with cli- with s- the seasons, which is anywhere north or south of the equator, where you're experiencing a summertime and then an autumn winter spring you experience the four seasons it's natural for your body to go through some changes during those times and if we were to take the media out of it if you're just living your life you know maybe like people did before the bikini was invented in the 1940s no but definitely around the turn of the 19 like the the 20th century your body's just going to change because of changing activity level access to food holidays holidays but think about the way that people lived in agrarian societies, you know, fall and wintertime is a it, fall is a time for harvest. It's a time for eating. People are generally going to put on some weight during autumn because it's from a survival standpoint. Pretty good idea. And then in wintertime tend to lose some weight due to some like food scarcity. Springtime, you're out doing more activity getting fields ready for planting moving animals around so your activity is pretty high and you're also not eating a lot so pretty thin and then summertime there's more abundance in both activity and food so body composition muscle mass goes up in the summertime and then you're back to the fall where you're eating so like there's a natural and all of that is occurring with more exposure to sunlight more vitamin d production which impacts mood and propensity for movement so all of these like sort of biological factors are at play too. When there's less sunlight in the fall and the winter time, you don't move around as much, become more sedentary. So you're in many ways kind of battling biology to try to like fight that. Whereas, you know, embracing some, some, not massive, some seasonal changes in mood, activity and diet, which will have an impact on your body is probably a good thing. I think like for, we always, and this is not about us, but Like you said earlier, like we tend to lean out in the summertime, but that's a result of our activity level. 100%. Yeah. Like walks with our dog will be
0: longer. We mountain bike more. We do more general, just more activity. And then, yeah, we're just outside more. Like when you go hang out with friends, we can go mountain bike instead of go have dinner somewhere. But for a lot of people, summertime can bring the opposite. It can, you know, you're still working a nine to five job but instead of going home and maybe, or going to the gym, you go to a patio. There's more drinking, there's more vacation, there's more alcohol, there's more ice cream, there are more barbecues, there's more social events. Like that can be different for everybody. And so fighting that, like I know a lot of people struggle with the balance of like enjoying time in the summer with patios and like maintaining a certain body composition. If your goal is to have this like unreasonable bikini body or like shed 15 pounds while also trying to enjoy your summer like that's not going to happen
1: not so, you mean enjoy it in a like eating and drinking yeah socializing kind yeah of way. yeah and not be
0: and again it's just like that's mentally exhausting to yeah be balancing those two very very competitive goals
1: yeah but the in the, the diet industry wants you to believe that it's possible and that's it buys into people's desire to like buy a quick fix solution you know, get their results and then go back to living their life the way that they were living before they had to make any changes. And that's like that's the desire for a lot of people. And it's just like not based in what's realistic or what reality is.
0: Like if someone says my idea of a summer body is like a three month transformation, which we don't believe in. Yeah, we just don't like that is three months is not enough to make sustainable change for most people. Like, yeah, you can, you can lose 12, 12 to 15 pounds kind of on the upper end based on the person, but really like, and that's, that's probably yeah. Upper end sustainability, but your habits are changing. Like you can't just go back and like maintain that weight. Like there's no meaningful change there. No losing 30 pounds, like trying to have this like great transformation. It's just like, it's not healthy. It's not going to work. And mentally it's just not a good place to be. Like when someone says, I want a summer body, I almost want to be like, okay, next summer. So yeah. let's give ourselves 15 months here. And then that way, it's not next summer, it's the summers for the end of time, yeah, because you've spent 15 months actually changing your habits and your lifestyle and as a result, the way that you look. yeah, and it's it's not just this like it's not this like very time constrained appearance based goal, which we've talked about on many different occasions aren't good on both fronts. yeah, you shouldn't have a time goal for weight loss and you shouldn't have a purely appearance goal. Yeah. Like your appearance can be a byproduct. It is absolutely okay to want to change your body, but it needs to be for the right reasons. And if it's because you hate your body, like it's not, that's not going to work because yeah. the goalpost is going to move. You're not going to be making meaningful change to your relationship with food. Like it's just, it's not a good mix. It's very frustrating working with people who want that. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to change their minds. It's very hard for them to, to see the big picture because they're so honed in on this, on this one goal that, really isn't even going to get what they want for yeah. a long time. Like, they're going to be back in that cycle in 12 months. Yeah,
1: I mean, the cycle is, I hate my body, so I'm going to do something that I hate for a short period of time so that I can hate my body less. Like, yeah. that's the actual logic. But so you don't like, hate your body less. No. You hate it just the same because you didn't actually address anything. It's not, like, putting on, like, oh, I got to put up the Christmas lights. Like, that's how people treat this, like, seasonal diet thing. And it's it's like, well, no, focusing on habits that you can maintain for the entire year, even if the process takes longer, which it will, that's gonna get you to the point where, you know, you're eating to fuel your lifestyle and your activity levels and things that you love to do. That's what breaks you out of seasonal dieting. That's what, like, okay, I'm just gonna live my life. And if I lean out a little bit over the summer, I lean out a little bit over the summer. If I, you know, get a little heavier in the winter by a couple pounds, I get a little heavier in the winter. Like that's just how it goes. And that's fine because it's just is it, it, you stop looking at it with a under a microscope. So we're pro. You have a bikini body.
0: You put a bikini on and you go to the beach. Yeah, which I fun. I I believe. That. I believe everyone should be able to just wear what you want. Like that's fine. It's a body. It's your body. You're yeah. in. You are not your body. You are in your body. We are also pro wanting aesthetic change. That's fine. That's a reasonable goal to have. I respect that goal. But I believe that you should love your body first while also potentially wanting to change it yeah it's it's the 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 hatred which can impact your relationship with food it can impact your mindset there's no underlying why like why do you want to change your body what are we actually changing what are the small goals here it's not as result oriented yeah and it's it's yeah like i said before it's just very difficult to convince people of that
1: it's even if you're not in a place where you can love your body, it work to get to a neutral place.
0: Yeah, neutral. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not necessarily loving your body and everything that comes with it, it's appreciating it and yeah. treating it with respect and knowing like, hey, maybe this summer like won't be the summer that I'm 30 pounds lighter and I can walk around and look like my friend and have the confidence that I've always wanted, but maybe if I start today, next summer I won't be in a position or next spring, I won't be in a position in March, April, May, where I'm making drastic changes to my diet. I can float through the spring, throw on a bikini and feel great because I put in the work. I think that's kind of what my messaging is. Is like, there's a healthy balance between appreciating your body and what it does for you, wanting that physical goal, which is totally fine, but understanding like what the meaningful change is and not just going into these periods of, extremes.
1: Yeah. Like the highs and lows and the panic and the anxiety that comes with that. And it's no different to bring it to a food example. And this is something, this is a conversation I had with a client recently. And it's something I believe there's a lot of panic associated with eating certain foods, croissants, donuts, things like that. People feel kind of immediate shame for eating those foods and guilt. You know, my line is like, well, you have to remember it's it's what you do 85% 85% of the time that matters, 80% of the time that matters, whatever you want the number to be, you know, and their response back was, well, I, I don't think I'm to that 80 or 85% yet. And I said, no, like we're, we're working on it. But what you'll be amazed at is when you are there and you're making good decisions that are in line with your goals, most of the time, those foods and those moments that are for pure enjoyment, don't bring the same amount of panic. As they do when you're you're enjoying you're having those foods you're eating them you're enjoying them but you also know that you don't have the habits to fall back on that make that decision fit into your goals so you know if your habits your your eating habits your exercise habits your routines are solid for most of the year wanting to make some small physical changes in the springtime or just like generally it's not as doesn't feel as urgent like you're like no I f- I feel good most of the time I'm good. I don't need to panic this year. Even if you're like, you know, I I would like to maybe clean my diet up a little bit heading into the summer. But those changes are going to be small because yeah. the base is there. But if the base isn't there, if if the habits aren't there, there's no understanding of your diet. There's not a good exercise routine. There's no base whatsoever. Yeah, it's all going to feel really panicked and urgent. So yeah. yeah, putting in the work the rest of the year to just like Not to specifically change your body, just to build good habits goes a long way.
0: Yeah. If I have a client who's pretty dialed in with nutrition, like performance, and and they say, hey, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do a small cut. Like, I kind of want to see if I can change my body composition a little bit, like whether it's summer or not. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But like they have things in place. And it's not this like extreme thing that's going to be over in three months. Like, yeah, it's it's a small change that tips the scale, moves the needle, whatever it may be. It's dialing up for a marathon. It's like, hey, I want to dial in my training a little bit so I can achieve this goal so Mm -hmm. I can feel a little bit more like fitter or like more prepared for something. And then you go back and maybe there's a period of time where you're not quite as fit, but you It's their seasons. And I think that's totally fine. But that's there's a big difference between that and like, hey, I need to buckle down for my summer body here and do something extreme
1: because we've all seen those people. And the problem with that is even if you have someone who has a somewhat uncontrolled diet situation or maybe they struggle with emotional eating, some binging tendencies and they get to April and they're like, look, like I really want to buckle down for like eight weeks. I want to do a cut. I want to like go on a meal plan. I want to get really lean for the summer. Let's say that they do that. And with or without our our help, I I would never like really help someone with that. But let's say they go off and do that, and they're they're really strict with their diet, and they're really strict with their exercise routine. No sugar, no alcohol. Workout every day, that kind of thing. And they they get the results. They lose ten to fifteen pounds, whatever. They drop their body fat percentage by six percent, and they look really lean. It, that creates this like mental situation where you think that in order to have results, you have to be really strict, which isn't the case. It's In order to have results in a short period of time, yeah, you have to be really strict. But that's it lacks the sustainability piece that's so important because the only way that you keep the results that you attain is by continuing the behaviors and habits that worked to get them. And that's a conversation I have with people all of the time who have a tendency to just wanna like get really strict really quick. Is there a time and a place for that, for the, the right person who's in the right mindset? Sure. I don't think that very many people... Are in that mindset? Very, very few. Yeah, and there has to be a specific reason, or at least a a very like a lot of perspective and objectivity. Yeah, yeah. This this conversation
0: kind of reminds me it's not that different from somebody wanting to do a bodybuilding show. Not at all. And we don't really support that kind well, of just thing. Just look
1: into the the mental health of ex-bodybuilders. Yeah. That's all you have to do. And that data and information is widely available online. Yeah. It does just... not do good things for people's mental health. And it can take, even after one bodybuilding show, it can take years to undo that mental damage. Yeah. I think like we've talked, you and me and
0: Lindsay, we've talked about how we've been really lean in the past before and that wasn't for a lot of us, not even intentional. Like you were doing it for a weightlifting competition. Yeah. Lindsay did it for bodybuilding. And then I got really lean because I did this like extreme elimination diet for gut health or to figure out what I was like intolerant to because I had so much. Turns out it was all anxiety. No surprise. But <laughs> I struggle even still to this day thinking about how I liked the way that I looked back then. Cause I was so incredibly lean, like no period. I couldn't even, I went to a CrossFit competition and couldn't even bench 150. Like, and I had just been to the CrossFit games. Like it tanked my performance. What my toe cramped, it was awful. But even to this day, I'm like, ah, I've been leaner. And it's, it's hard not to compare yourself to that, even though like logically I can easily talk my way out of it. But imagine doing it to the point where you're not just like intentionally doing it and starving yourself but you're you look like i mean bodybuilders aren't just like lean from doing an elimination diet they're like they've been through a huge cycle of of training and then they got they have the tans going and then the carbs right before like they're maximizing the lean look
1: and the crazy thing is when you get up on stage you look the best at the moment that you feel the worst yeah even people who participate, they kind of like forget that part. Certainly people from the outside looking in, they celebrate that physical appearance and that achievement, but they don't consider the mental or the physiological toll that that takes. And it's crazy how many people think that they they want that. And if you were to actually say, look, like, what if you could look like that, but you're just going to feel like death? The number of people that would be like, yeah, yep. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. wild when you can just back off a little bit. You can look decent focus on how you're feeling, how you're performing in the gym, how you feel like outside running around with your kids, how's your fitness and like, let your body look how it's going to look. Yeah. And appreciate your body. And I like to
0: call that the wellness body and it's going to look different on everybody, but it takes a lot of practice. It takes a change in your habits and a change in your lifestyle for a lot of people. And sometimes change it like nutrition and sleep and all this stress management, but it also requires a lot of mental work and finding and like balancing your goals and everything that we always talk about. It's all encompassing. What is your wellness body? And that's helpful to know. Like, And your wellness body should be year round. It shouldn't be changing drastically based on the season. It's your all season body. I want to talk about two more things. The first is dieting the first time is easier than dieting the second time and the third time and the fourth time and the 10th time.
1: Oh, can we talk about why that is? Go ahead. Yeah. So the psychobiological model of motivation, which applies most directly to exercise, but it also applies to behaviors. And so what that means is that when something is more novel, when it's, there's a newness to it, it's never been done, it doesn't take as much motivation to do something that is somewhat difficult. And RPE, rate of perceived exertion for that, is going to be lower. So on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, maybe you're operating at an RPE of like 5 to 6 doing something new, like new diet, whatever. As you do the diet, the more experience you have, the more difficult it becomes. And so each time you you try to do it again, your RPE goes up. And so it takes more intrinsic motivation to do it. And that's because of RPE, psychobiological model of motivation, RPE is greatly influenced by previous experience. And so the same thing goes for exercise. If you have an experience with a workout or an exercise that's very hard, It's going to take more motivation to do something like that again because there's this memory of, ooh, that was kind of hard the last time. I'm not sure if I want to go through that again. The more times you do something that is relatively difficult, the more difficult it becomes.
0: Yeah, and it's probably part of it is having that experience being like, hmm, okay, so I did this really hard thing for three months and I got really lean and I liked that and I got really good photos and everyone commented on my body. It was really hard and I lost it. It didn't really last that long. So it's like, is that even worth doing it again? And then it's like, well- no, I'm gonna have this this cheeseburger or whatever you're abstaining from. And then it it falls off. Yeah. It's like because there is no underlying like why. Yeah. You're just doing it for this reason that you want to change your body for a period of time for some reason, but it's it's not like I'm doing this because I want to be able to play with my kids, which is actually worth it. And again, I'm just like throwing out reasons. Everyone has their reasons, but I I think looking a certain way for a very specific period of time. And doing something extreme to achieve that—that's very difficult. It doesn't pay off to do it again and again and again when it's getting harder and harder and harder.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that's sort of where you lose the like the local versus global benefit. And so making decisions that benefit you in the long term requires a little bit of dif- discipline, and it requires that you stay tapped into your you know logical mind, your prefrontal cortex, versus giving into yeah your highly emotional mind, your amygdala, and what's going to be immediately pleasurable in order to make. Globally beneficial decisions, you have to have a a reason behind them. Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about, and I know this is the case with many people that I work with because they've told me, and I, I imagine a couple of them are probably listening right now, but it's this feeling that you aren't going to live up to other people's expectations of your body. So, what I mean by that is, let's say, you have a friend group and you're the, the the one that like works out all the time or the one that's always ordering the salad at dinner or making healthy chores. You're known for that. Like you're worried that when they see you in a bikini, they're going to be like, oh, well, that person works out all the time. They go to CrossFit. They have a nutrition coach, but they don't look like they do. That's the concern from a person. That's a very common thing. If everyone knew that I was practicing piano every day and then I go to recital and I can't play... Then that would be embarrassing, yeah. And that's that's what they're projecting. When in reality, most people who work out on a daily basis and who hire nutrition coaches, the majority of people that we work with don't look like bodybuilders. No. If you're with somebody who expects you to look like a bodybuilder, that's on them.
1: Yeah, you should find a new. You should find a new friend. Yeah.
0: But I think that's the expectation like, oh, you know, you're a fit person or you're a healthy person in quotes. You should look a certain way. And I think a lot of that is projection. And it's not as much as anyone really caring that much. I think most people are so concerned with what they look like and what you're thinking about them than to worry about what they think about you.
1: Yeah. But even a person who cares a lot about what they look like. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't have anyone in my life who's like this now, but I used to. Someone who's just really nitpicky about their own body, like verbally, just like, oh, I just I wish I didn't have this love handle. Da, da 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 da. They go on, just drone on about everything that they feel negatively about themselves. They don't say anything about anyone else. They don't say anything about your friends. So they don't comment behind people's backs. They just are negative about themselves. That can create negativity in in your own mind. It it can make you start to be more self critical because of this person who maybe like, maybe by all objective measures, you think they look better than like half your friend group or than you do. So you're like, shoot, if this person is commenting about their body, look at me, like, should I be concerned? Are they commenting about me? Do they care? And that's where like, if you have someone in, in your life who's like that, who has that effect on you mentally, like f- figuring out a way to create some space in that relationship is usually a pretty good idea. And if you can't, I have an honest conversation about the way that that type of banter impacts you mentally and maybe even frame it as like, look, like I hate to hear you talk about yourself like that because I just think you're really great. Do something to get that to stop because it's just it's so toxic. Yeah, we're very delicate.
0: Yeah. Society has done that to us. And there's a lot of things within society that has caused that. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But you have to be proactive and understand that you're not the only one. and And you can take steps to like appreciate your body or get out of that that cycle. And stay away from being impacted by like an example of what you just said. Or yeah, share share the way that you feel about your body. And, and your friend might say like, you look great. Like sometimes just sharing and getting it off of your chest and saying, you know, I think everyone thinks that I'm gonna look like a bodybuilder and I feel embarrassed. Like what's possible? Is that person gonna say to me too? But like, hey, let's talk about this together. Yeah. Like you're not the only one with those insecurities. Like they're running rampant. Let's like share and encourage each other. And the last thing I'll say don't comment on anyone's body I know it's hard not to when someone looks great to you but it you just don't know what's going on yeah somebody might not be eating because they're going through a really bad emotional time and saying oh you've lost so much weight you look so great I'm really jealous like that's not helpful and even though it means well it's just it can't like you know I had someone once say like hey your legs are looking like really really strong and I was like oh my god my legs are huge. Yeah, Like I'm super self-conscious of my legs now. Thanks a lot. Like yeah. that le- legitimately happened. But that was something that in earnest someone said to try to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. You just don't know what's going on. And it's not worth it. If you want to give someone a compliment, compliment them on who they are or what their body does for them. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, you like You're you just lifted that weight. Yeah. Holy moly. That's impressive. There's so much to compliment somebody on. You don't need to comment on their bodies. And if someone comments on your body and you don't like it, say something. Just say, you know what? I'd rather not. I have I have some stuff going on. I'm working on getting out of that headspace and, and I would just appreciate it if you told me that I, I was really smart. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, gosh, that was a great way to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you liked it. Like, subscribe, share, do all the things and we'll catch you on the next one.